so critically acclaimed. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Not So Critically Acclaimed podcast. I'm Laura, and this is part two for our discussion on the wilds. Now, just a fair warning, this might be a little bit of a longer episode because I just watched it and I have literally so many thoughts to unpack and so much I want to analyze about it. Overall, I thought it was totally insane, such a cool show I'm now obsessed with and I simply cannot wait for season two. I'm super glad that I joined the party late, so now I don't have to wait as long for season two had I watched season one when it first came out in 2020. Um, So I think that this show was super different and had an incredible psychological element to it that I really appreciated given the fact that if you guys have listened to my podcast before and you know, I studied psychology in college, so I could definitely appreciate the underlying factors of the show and what, you know, Gretchen was trying to do. Um, And so just a little something I wanted to bring up before we get into the actual crux of the show. Um, So I just wanted to talk about the name of the show. And so it's obviously called The Wilds. And I think that it's called that not only because obviously they're in the wild trying to survive, but the whole thing is an experiment, as we'll discuss later on. Um, And in experiments, the wild type are the participants or the subjects or whatever um, the subject matter is that exists in its natural form and aren't affected by anything as compared to the mutant ones, which is usually what you're adapting to then see how a change might occur. So the idea is that the girls are the wild types because they're living in a natural environment without any outside effects, meaning they're in nature, they're in the wild, without any societal government regulations um, being placed on them, and they just exist for what they are in this environment. Um, And so then the second thing I wanted to just mention real quick as an observation that I noticed about the girls, um, and it seems like Gretchen chose all eight girls because they had, or at least the thing I've noticed that they have in common, is that they all have undergone some traumatic experience that more or less is connected to a man. So you have Leah with Jeffrey, Shelby, Fatten, and Dot, all of their storylines are rooted with something having to do with their dads. Martha had the doctor, Nora had Quinn, and then Rachel and Tony are the only ones where it might be more of a stretch. Tony had both her father either leave or die, I don't remember what happened to him, and then the guy that she got in a fight with that kind of led her on the spiral to break up with the girl, I don't remember her name, was it Reagan, something like that. Um, And then Rachel doesn't have any guy, it would have been like, I guess, more clear if maybe they made her coach a guy, but it was a woman. Um, But the only thing I could think of was maybe the overarching concept where she as a woman could not succeed in her sport anymore because of her body. So she tried to adapt it, which is something that is very like typical and normalized for women in sports, as opposed to for men, men don't experience that as much or at least they're not stigmatized as much for it like women are so that's just a general observation I thought um and that's maybe why Gretchen chose these specific girls um it'll be interesting to see if we learn how the parents like met Gretchen and 
like went on this whole process. But now I want to talk about each of the girls, their storyline in terms of who they were before the plane crash and being like on the island and then them on the island and them going forward. So first up is Leah, the girl who started it all. I guess in a way she's the main character since her episode was first and she's like the skeptic of the group so there's more attention to her character. Um, With that being said though, for a main character, she absolutely sucks. But that's not really saying much because I definitely find myself hating the main characters in shows, which I know is common, but also kind of weird because shouldn't they be someone you're rooting for and even relating to? And no one wants to relate to someone they hate, right? But anyway, back to Leah and why she sucks. Leah sucks because the audience understands the show is portraying the world from a 16-year-old girl's perspective, but the way they show Leah's perspective seems ridiculously unrealistic, which makes it extremely frustrating and irritating to watch. For starters, the whole Jeffrey situation. Girl, you gotta know he's literally twice your age and is not actually in love with you. Like, you're in two very different parts of your lives and though Leah may feel like she connects with who Jeffrey is and they're soulmates and she feels like an old soul blah 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 you have to know they're not it's not realistic so for that storyline to then dictate Leah's entire personality was super annoying to watch I mean from the fact that she shut down entirely as her mom described after Jeffrey called off their quote-unquote relationship And that's what ultimately led Leah to even be on this retreat from the beginning to then reading Jeffrey's book a million times and that being the last thing she was going to do when the plane was crashing and she thought she was going to die. Like unlike all these other girls who were seeking comfort in whoever they came with or I don't know, praying or indulging, relaxing, I don't know, accepting it. She's just sitting there reading the book like unfazed by the turbulence and it was like are you kidding me? To then, of course, finding Jeanette's phone, calling Jeffrey only to go numb when hearing his voice and not scream at the top of her lungs that she was stranded on an island. Like, come on, this is life or death and a real person wouldn't let anything get in the way of that. Now, I know what some of you guys are probably thinking, Leah cannot help the way she reacts to these things because of, you know, how that therapist explained it. Her brain gets so focused on things to the extent that she cannot let go. So I don't know how much of it we can blame on Leah herself or the brain wiring that makes her like that. But either way, I I mean, I honestly still think it's safe to say that Leah sucks in how she treats the other girls, especially how she treated Fatten at the beginning. So overall, I still don't like Leah, even though she did kind of figure it out and she was right. Um, but So maybe there'll be character development and she'll change for the better, but I'm not really holding out hope. Okay, let's move on to Shelby. So Shelby's story was a little bit predictable, but absolutely horrific. I mean, for starters, growing up in such a religious household where you're not just forced to be someone you're not, but to then be surrounded by people who are trying to quote-unquote correct things about you that make you you, like basically when her father threatened her about those programs and he told her that it's either you live here our way or you leave and you're alone, like at the end of the day, they're your child and it's just absolutely heartbreaking to watch. 
More than the religious aspect, though, it seems like Shelby's father has a real control issue, like considering, I mean, he's a health junkie, so it kind of comes with the territory, but also in the way he treated Shelby's younger siblings. I mean, he threw out her brother's cereal as he was literally eating from the bowl. Like he's a kid eating sugar cereal, relax. So for Shelby to grow up around that, it's no wonder she had such an internal battle with who she is. And then projecting it onto her best friend at the time, who, if you thought looked familiar, played Carrie's younger sister, Dorrit, in The Carrie Diaries. Yes, I know she's in the Netflix show Sweet Tooth, I think it's called, but I knew her as Dorrit from Carrie Diaries. But man, that whole scenario was just devastating. They had such a close friendship, and Becca didn't judge Shelby or make her feel bad or weird after she kissed her. And yet, Shelby basically led Becca to kill herself. That was just an extremely rough episode to watch and just felt so much for Shelby through it all. And especially adding the whole pageantry element of it because I feel like that was such a great thing for Shelby's character because the whole premise of her character is that she has to be someone she's not and that's literally all of what pageantry is because she has to go on stage and put on these beautiful gowns and it goes back to the fake teeth that she has to wear again pretending to be someone she's not and just you know parading around on stage like giving off this image of who she is supposed to be and who society wants her to be and not who she really is and it was just like beautifully created and now as I get more into talking about each of the girls they did such a great job in portraying these characters and building their stories like all the details we're going to get into more of it later but I'm just saying it now early on job well done um so then as for Shelby and her like existence in the island I think the whole closeted lesbian storyline was so obvious, like I called it from the beginning, just because there was so much tension and chemistry between Shelby and Tony. Um, And as soon as we saw Shelby like get uncomfortable about Tony's sexuality and made that comment about how she doesn't support that lifestyle, I knew 100% that they were going to make Shelby gay. Um, And then I know a lot of people freaked out after the scene where Shelby had to forcefully feed Tony medication and that like really cemented it. So it'll be interesting to see how that continues to pan out in the lockup they have going on, as well as if slash when they eventually get back to what normal real life was before all of this. So like what will happen? The last thing about Shelby is why did she have to shave her head? Like I understand changing her image letting go of who she has always been and like the fake person she's been and she cut her hair when she lost it but like they could have just made it a cute like bob or even a lob like a long bob but instead she shaved it I don't know okay moving on let's talk about Fatten. so her reason for being on the retreat might not seem as drastic as everyone else's She found out her dad was cheating on her mom and basically her mom kind of knew, I guess. And their explanation was that Fatten doesn't know what goes on inside a marriage. So I think this situation was just as traumatic, though, for Fatten as other situations were for the other girls because Fatten always felt like her father was in her corner and was the beacon of hope when her mom was driving her crazy. So now for her to learn that her father was lying about a portion of her life about his life, it definitely is earth shattering. You know, the person she thought she could depend on turned out to be someone she didn't even recognize. 
Um, And so Fadden's episode was definitely important for the larger story because it gave us perspective into how Fadden isn't just this surface surface level girl who cares about her social media and hair. Um, But I do think that it wasn't fair when she made that argument about goods versus services. Like she should definitely have been helping out, especially because it's not like they could control whose suitcase washed up on the shore. Um, So, yeah. Okay, now moving on to my favorite character, Dot. Hands down my favorite. Her individual episode absolutely broke me. Seeing how she cared for her father, even up to the last moment when she was so brave, helping put her father out of his misery. I mean, that was incredibly tough and selfless, and I I was crying in that scene. And then seeing how Dot acts on the island with the girls, and obviously because she has the most knowledge about the wilderness and survival, she becomes somewhat of the leader. But there are always moments where she feels like giving up because she feels like, why? Why does she always have to be the one to do everything? And in that scene where the girls are all um, talking about what they're going to do when they're rescued, and Dot said she's going to be with that nurse guy, Mateo, Um, like I was like, yes, I finally felt like this was her moment to be like, enough is enough. I have like been putting up with everything for everyone else. I'm going to get something for myself. And I definitely felt like I related to this part of her character. So sometimes in my personal life, I always feel like certain responsibilities fall on me and I'm often taken advantage of for that. So Dot's character has definitely helped me see the importance of standing up for myself and not letting myself be used and you know allowing myself to have something for my allowing myself to have something for myself every once in a while and then the other thing about dot i think a lot of viewers assumed she was the second confederate for several reasons number one gretchen specifically said that the second confederate had a lot of wilderness skills which we obviously know dot does Also, Dot's dad gave her Gretchen's business card and we see Dot have a meeting with her about the retreat and like Gretchen lays it all out for Dot and then Dot is like, what's the catch? Obviously, there's got to be something else like she's not just going to get paid for this. So that like makes the viewers think that she's the second confederate, but she's not. Um, And then I think the fact that we see early on that Dot doesn't really have anyone in her life anymore. Like when they found the phone and were thinking about who to call, Dot was pushing it away from her because she obviously didn't have anyone. So maybe she kind of like, they could have painted it like, oh, Dot doesn't have anyone in her life. So she'd be willing to put herself in this kind of danger, um, I guess. And maybe almost she doesn't care about life anymore because she's like, what do I have to live for? Why should I care if I hurt these people? I'm hurting, you know, it could have been that. Like, she could have definitely gone that way, but I'm so glad she didn't because I just think she's a complete warrior and I love her so freaking much and I'm rooting for her the most. Okay, then we have to talk about another character I don't like and that's Rachel. So I think it's a toss-up between Rachel and Leah for my least favorite character and I think that's a pretty popular belief. At the end of the day, I think I have to give the award to Leah, but Rachel definitely puts a fight for that title. What bothers me about Rachel is just how extreme and stubborn she is. For starters, in sports, obviously she took it to an extreme level, developing an eating disorder and ultimately being upset at Nora for telling their parents and trying to get her help. And then on the island, 
Rachel's just so intense in all of her actions, whether it was almost killing Leah by forcing her to swim down to get the box from the plane over and over and over again, or just her natural, like, overall interactions with the girls and trying to find solutions to their problems. She's just always so drastic and extreme and never caring. Like, she's not a compassionate person. As for her ending, I think it's pretty obvious that she loses her hand in the shark attack. And when she said in the interview how she doesn't want to talk about what happened with Nora, I don't think Nora died and that's what they mean. I think she just doesn't want to talk about how Nora betrayed her and the other girls. Last note about Rachel, given everything we know about her personality, again, an example of why the writers were genius, I think they did such a great job and were so smart about it when choosing which sport Rachel belonged to because diving seems like it's a selfish sport. You know, it's not a team sport. It's an individual sport. You go up there. It's all about discipline, but like every sport is about discipline. But the idea is that she stands up there alone and has to perform and that's it. So I think it's a really selfish sport. I mean, I guess you could say that about like tennis, but tennis has doubles. Um, There aren't like too many, I mean, maybe golf, I don't know. But that's just my thought process, you know, because it's very fitting for Rachel's personality because she's only ever looking out for herself and she never considers how her actions affect other people. Okay, now moving on, we have to talk about Tony. So I think Tony's specific story seems like the dullest in comparison to all the other girls, but her overall life story matches the like traumatic element. So her specific story is that she was in a relationship with this girl, but because of Tony's temper, she gets into a fight against the girl's wishes and ended up hurting the girl, causing them to break up. Also, I'm sorry I keep calling her the girl. I think her name is Reagan. I might be wrong. I don't know. Um, So yes, there was heartbreak in that situation, especially for someone who doesn't seem like she lets many people in. But like in the long run, I don't really see it as being that big of a deal, like in the grand scheme of things compared to the other girls and what they've been through. But then you have to factor in Tony's life outside of that in general and how she's in foster care because one of her parents died and one left or was strung out on drugs I don't remember the details but the point is that she only has one person in her life um, and that's Martha and then with that being said I'm still kind of intrigued as to what led Tony to go on the retreat or maybe it was just that Martha was going so Tony wanted to go too since she was living with them and that just made sense I don't know And then speaking of Martha, I think she definitely had the smallest role of all the girls, or at least the way they filmed it. I just got that feeling. And, you know, she's when I looked up the cast, like on Google, it always has the pictures of the people like right at the top. And most of the time it's either in the order of the most well-known actors or the um, more main characters. And so of all the girls, the actress who plays Martha was the very last picture. So it kind of made me feel that she's like, you know, not that big, like she's not as big of a character as the other girls. And I think that's a sign that she's dead. Um, And I'm going to get into that theory a little bit later. But backtracking though, Martha's story is that she had physical therapy for a back injury and it seemed like she had a great relationship with her doctor only to later find out that he was abusing his patients and that caused Martha to have to reevaluate her own experience. So if I'm being completely honest, 
I still don't know if Martha was was or was not abused. Like, she kept denying it, and she only said good things about the doctor in court, but then pairing that with her killing the goat made it seem like the opposite. So much so that here, you know, she is a vegetarian killing an animal, the very thing she doesn't believe in doing. And maybe that was symbolizing how she was now accepting the truth that the doctor did abuse her when she only ever believed, which is going against everything she ever believed, that her interactions with the doctor were pleasant. So I'm thinking that maybe it was like a symbol and like metaphorically speaking to confirm that she really was abused, but she didn't realize it. I was definitely confused, so I'm not entirely sure. So let me know if you guys had the same thought process. But the only other thing I'll say about Martha that doesn't have to do with my future predictions, um, because I'm going to get to that in a separate area, is that I thought Martha was going to have a thing for Shelby. Initially, I thought Martha liked Shelby, which I still think she had some sort of girl crush on her. And then I thought Tony was getting jealous because Tony had a secret thing for Martha. But honestly, now that doesn't make much sense because Tony and Martha are such different people, which then amazes me that they're best friends. Um, okay. So then last but certainly not least, Nora, our second confederate. I honestly don't really know who I thought the second confederate was, but Nora makes sense by process of elimination. I mean, Dot was too obvious. Same thing with Shelby because she was the one Leah kept pointing fingers to. Rachel is too selfish. Martha is too kind. Tony is too hot-headed. Leah was in her own world from the start. And then I guess Fatten was the only other person who it could have been, except for the fact that she knows next to nothing about wilderness. So she wouldn't have known how to, like, you know, actually be a, like, steer the girls in the right direction and help them in a crisis. Um, and so with that, the way that um, I think it makes sense with Nora being it, given how she how much she reads and how many times she apologizes to Rachel and says, you know, I'm the reason we're here, which we all only ever assumed was because Nora told her parents about Rachel's eating disorder, pushing them to send her on this retreat, not like a larger scheme apology. Um, but anyway, then the way that Nora connected to Gretchen was wild, pun intended, um, just to clarify, in case you forgot, Nora was dating Quinn, who she met when she was doing a summer program at a college. Um, they were both like weird in their own way. Then Rachel disapproved of him. So they broke, they broke up only for Nora to find out a little bit later that Quinn died in a hazing ritual that was orchestrated by Gretchen's son. I felt so bad for Nora, for Quinn. I mean, he seemed so sweet. They seemed perfect together. So again, back to hating Rachel for screwing it all up. And then, I mean, it is still crazy to know that Nora would go into this willingly and thinking this would actually do more good than harm. I mean, she's such a smart person, so I can't believe that she actually thought this was a good idea. I mean, Gretchen is crazy, and this was a crazy idea. So that kind of segue us into discussing the show um, at large. So... Let's just discuss this. Gretchen was basically recreating her own version of the Stanford prison experiment, which, if you don't know, was a psychological experiment done many years ago at Stanford University where researchers assigned participants the role of either being a guard or a prisoner 
And then they had to live out these roles in like a makeshift prison. So it is, of course, well known now because of how unethical it was. I mean, the hypothesis of the experiment did in a way prove to be correct as the simple assignment of roles led the participants to believe that they really did deserve to treat others a certain way if they were, you know, the guard and be treated a certain way if they were the prisoner. But that, of course, doesn't defend the way in which the participants were treated. Um, So back to the wilds, Gretchen was running her own experiment to prove that at the end of the day, when stripped of society and any overarching government regulations, women are more capable than men to not only survive, but also create their own sense of order and overcome their difficulties in something, and she called this the gynotopia, which, ew, Um, but I don't know. I don't know the exact timeline, but it would make sense if her son ending up in jail for killing Quinn was the catalyst. Um, and it kind of seems like that was. Um, and it makes sense because like she was so fed up with the fact that even though she supposedly raised her son, quote unquote, right, you know, taking him to the women's march, talking about consent, all this other stuff, he still fell into the patriarchal beliefs um, in general. And then like specifically as an example, the whole fraternity. Now, even though, like, even though this is obviously horrible and it's completely unethical and did so much harm, in a way, Gretchen was right about her hypothesis. Because lo and behold, in that final season scene of episode 10, we see Leah end up in a room with security cameras and we learn that there's another island being watched, this one with a group of boys. And I saw, I say Gretchen was right because here Leah is not on the island, not because the girls like part of the experiment is completely over, but because the girls were smart enough, obviously, to figure some things out and raise suspicions to the extent that Gretchen and her team had to change things up while the boys are still on the island. And as far as we know, haven't figured things out, at least not to the extent that the girls have. So now just predictions, questions, last thoughts about where I want to see the show going, where I think the show will go um, for season two, because yes, it has been renewed. So I think we'll learn more details about the timeline of how things went down in terms of how the parents all got, um, got their daughters to go on the retreat, because we're still missing that for some of the girls, or at least... You know, we'll see how the parents learn about the retreat and what they think it is, because all we know is that the girls think it's a relaxing retreat in Hawaii, but then Leah's parents said something about a farm in Montana, but obviously in reality, they're near Peru. Um, So I think it'll be interesting to see the parents' thought process in that. Then I think we'll find out that Nora is alive, and like I said, Rachel is upset about how she betrayed her. I think we'll find out that Martha is dead, and I think this for several reasons. Number one, Gretchen had a box of Martha's things that the agent was going through, and like we don't see a box of anybody else's things. Number two, Gretchen mentioned um, trying to find something to use against the parents who wanted to sue, and why would they be like? Why would those parents be mentioned specifically in regard to suing, and not all of the parents, unless something more drastic? happen to their daughter. Um, So I think that's a good point. And then lastly, and I think the biggest reason is in the episode where we get Martha's backstory, instead of seeing her 
after the quote unquote rescue, like doing the interview with the therapist and the agent, we get a weird dream sequence of a performance of Cake by the Ocean, which was really perfect because, you know, they had cake, which I'm pretty sure is what knocked them unconscious. And then they were obviously by the ocean. So it was really funny and just so well done again. But that whole song dance performance was led by Jeanette, who we also know is dead. So I think it was a sign that they're both dead because it was just such a different introduction to Martha's story than any of the other girls, um, you know. Uh, other things, I want to see what happened when the girls first woke up in the quote-unquote rescue location and like what their thought process was. Also, how does Shelby know Leah is right? And when did Leah tell Shelby her suspicion? Or was it just because Leah kept accusing Shelby for being sketch? Um, will Tony and Shelby still be a thing? Why did Shelby go into anaphylactic shock? Did they give her shellfish? Did they like... This wouldn't make sense because... If even though it's an experiment, they can't. They you think that she wouldn't kill someone, but maybe because Shell they saw Shelby write that note and give it to Leah, um, maybe they initiated like an allergic reaction and trying to kill her. But again, it's an experiment, and even though like she's doing all these crazy things, I still think that uh they can't kill her. Um, so then that leaves Leah. And because the whole idea was that Shelby, like maybe they're doing something to Shelby because Shelby wrote the note like you were right and gave it to Leah. But then like, why wouldn't they do anything to Leah? And of course, there was that juxtaposition because during the very last um, few, like the very last scenes, I guess, you see them that there's a code. They're chasing after someone and Leah's running, thinking they're chasing after her. Meanwhile, they're chasing to get to Shelby's room because she's in anaphylactic shock. So I think that there might be some juxtaposition, meaning something happens to Shelby, but nothing's happening to Leah. And I think the reason that might be, for some reason, I feel like maybe Leah is like is Gretchen's kid. Like every once in a while, it seems like um like there's something special about her. Like Gretchen says something about the girls and then she's like, especially her, but it could just be because Leah's the skeptic and she's been, you know, the one to watch in terms of asking the most questions and also it wouldn't necessarily make sense because Leah's obviously younger than her son so I don't know like it's not like it was a pregnancy she had when she was like a teenager or something and she gave it up for adoption unless she had an affair and um you know maybe something happened with that because she says like she has very different relation like interesting relationship with men because she said that she she doesn't hate men she has like a specific she loves she still loves a few of them so i'm betting she has some kind of twisted past i don't know um but that's just another thing and then as for the guys so i think maybe season 2 could be exactly the same as season 1 just focus on the guys um you know like every episode is another guy and we learn about his story and see them on the island and everything pan out and maybe just the end of season two like maybe the last episode one of the guys and one of the girls meet and then like that would be insanity like that would be so cool it'd be really frustrating because here we are with so many questions but they're gonna like take us like west in a completely different um area and just create more questions instead of really answering any of the ones we already have and the only reason I think that this could be the way season two 
um, occurs is because they announced the new cast members for season two a little while ago, and it includes eight guys, which is obviously the same number of girls, um, and most notably of the cast, just in case you didn't know, Alex Fitzallen, who played Harry in The Society, has been cast as one of the guys, um, and I think I'm super excited about that because he was... Everyone, I know everyone loved him in the society. He was a breakout, like breakout role. Everyone loved him and Allie and wanted to see that happen. Plus, I think that the show has similar elements to The Wilds in that it's a group of teenagers being in a new environment where they have to fend for themselves and something strange is going on that they don't exactly know what. So it's it's a very great, it's a great casting call because he is, it's a similar role, I guess. But whatever it will be, I am definitely stoked for season two. They did start filming back in April, and we know this because the official Twitter page for the the Wilds released a behind the scenes like we're back to set video. In the video, we see all the girls except Nora. We even see Martha. So I don't know what that means about my predictions about who's dead and who's alive. So I guess we'll just have to wait um, to find out. So that's that. Um, But I mean, like I said, I think it was the craziest, like such a great show. I loved it psychologically, as you guys can tell, probably given how much I analyze the characters, which I usually don't do for shows when I discuss them. I'm usually just talking about my favorite ships and whatnot. But I think this show just like stands out and is so spectacular. And I know the premise on the surface, I guess, is similar to at least what I think I know about Lost. Um, All I know about Lost is that it's about a group of people who I think had a plane crash and they're stranded on an island. And there's probably something more, like something sketchier going on at large. Um, So I think this is definitely enticing me to want to watch Lost now. But yeah, so if you guys like Lost, let me know. Um, But that's all for this week's episode of the Not So Critically Acclaimed podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Specifically, leave a review because I really want to get some feedback. Um, Then make sure you are following me at Not So Critically Acclaimed, both on Instagram and on TikTok. Um, At the link in my bio, you have so many links to choose from for different things. Um, But two things I want to draw your attention to. Number one is the Not So Critically Acclaimed suggestion form. And this is just a form that you can suggest things generally for my platform. So whether that is a TV show or movie you want me to discuss on the podcast, or it's an idea for um, videos you want to see on TikTok or Instagram Reels, that is a place where you can make suggestions. And then the other thing I want to direct you to in the link in my bio is a little box that says download the Binge app. So Binge is a super fun app. It's it's a new form of social media. It's not exactly social media, but it's a social app built around conversational TV show and movie recs. So the way it works is that there is a feed where you can just read what other people are posting about. So you can search up a show or a movie and then you hit like start a discussion and you just write a little post. Like it can be one sentence like I really love this show, highly recommend, or it can be a full on like tons of paragraphs analyzing the latest season, an episode, a character, a storyline, anything. Um, And then they'll appear in the feed, the main feed, and other people can like the posts, they can comment on the posts. um, And so you can just, you know, share your thoughts about shows and movies that you love, as well as um, read other people's 
uh, thoughts about shows and movies. You can follow people. Um, so you can follow me if you not if you would like to. My you can find me on the app just by my typical username at not so critically acclaimed. And overall, it's just a really fun app to and super easy app to use. And one of the things I love about it is you can make collections, which are basically like giant lists or like Pinterest boards, but for TV shows and movies. So I have a ton of lists that are super fun. You know, I have, you know, my, um, like top 20 favorite movies of all time. Um, the most underrated shows I've seen, the most overrated shows I've seen, TV shows that were canceled too soon. Um, shows I of course want to watch movies. I want to watch things like that. So Highly recommend you check out the Bingy app at the link in my bio. Um, and otherwise, be sure to tune back in next week for another brand new episode. So thanks for listening. and I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.